Hey, this is Steve Campbell from the C3 Church. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Our prayer for you is that you'll be blessed, equipped, and enabled as you listen to this message. God bless you. Today. I'm sorry that we're not there in person, either in Bury or in Cambridge, but we have some exciting things happening here today in Colchester. That's where I'm going to be based when you're hearing this. I will be in Colchester for the launch of the C3 Colchester congregation. Isn't that exciting? So exciting that God has given us uh, that, that base to work from, that we're actually expanding the C3 family. So today, Steve and I will be in Colchester. But we know we have a word for you today that I will be bringing. But just before I start, I wonder whether you've heard the news. Have you heard? We are now grandparents for a second time, which is just incredible. So I feel a little bit dithery today. If I don't look quite myself, you know, it's probably a few sleepless nights waiting for this text, waiting for the call to say that our baby granddaughter is born. So yes, she was born Um, The early hours of Wednesday morning and uh, she is doing very well and Katie is doing very well too. So we're excited for you all to meet her very soon. So exciting things happening. New birth, literally, with a new granddaughter and a new congregation starting in Colchester. So that's congregation number four and we have two grandchildren. Does that mean for every two congregations we get a new grandchild? I wonder... With prophetic word is 10 multi-sites that we'll have, so it means at least five grandchildren maybe. Who knows? God knows, but we know that we are blessed and we're really, really, really pleased and grateful to God for all that he's giving to us. Ah, we feel a little bit shaky right now, I have to say, but hey, we've got the word to bring today and we're going to continue our series, Art Beyond Blessed. You heard last week um, from Steve uh, talking about the beyond blessed and how we need to be generous as well as good stewards of our finances. You know, we talked about that there's two feet, isn't there? There's two aspects of generosity and stewardship. He was reminding us that stewardship is the management of the property of somebody else's. And if if you're not a good steward, uh, as well as being generous, then God won't open the um, the windows of heaven towards us because he won't be able to trust us if we're not good stewards with what we have. We have to be generous, but we also have to be good stewards. If we're over-generous, then we can't be trusted. If we're over-stewarding, then there was a word for that. The word was tight, that we can hold it too tightly to ourselves and we are frightened to give. But that balance, those two feet, those two arms, stewardship and generosity, when they walk together, then they walk in a really healthy and profitable way. God will bless you, not just in a kind of like a natural blessing, but in a supernatural blessing because he knows that he can trust us with finances. You know, recently, well, it kind of feels fairly recent, but actually it's been a little while, hasn't it, since we've been in lockdown and we are glad that we are not in lockdown anymore. But do you remember those days when we were actually spending so much time walking those country paths because we had nothing else to do? We had to get our daily exercise and out we were getting our uh, exercise regularly. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't seem to be happening quite as regularly these days. But nevertheless, at that time, 
I discovered something new on my phone. I always like discovering new things and uh, I'm not particularly very technical, but I did discover that there is a health app. I kind of knew a little bit about this health app. I am the sort of person that looks at her steps, you know, when I've gone on a walk, I have to check whether I've done over my 10,000. Yes, I am that friend who, if we go for a walk, we get so far, check the phone, have I done my 5,000? Yeah, let's turn around, let's go back home. 10,000, that's enough for me. Um, I'm sure of you, Melanie, of you will do a lot more than that. But I discovered on my health app, not only does it record the number of steps it has, but also it has something um, which records your gait, your way you walk. They called it a walking asymmetry, and we have it here. It is in healthy walking patterns, the timing of your steps you take with each foot are very similar. Walking asymmetry is the percent of time your steps with one foot are faster or slower than the other foot. This means the lower the percentage of asymmetry, the healthier your walking pattern. Uneven, uneven walking patterns, such as limping, can be a sign of disease, injury or other health issues. An even or symmetrical walk is often an important physical therapy goal when recovering from injury. Well, I never knew that. So actually, it's really important. I now record what my more walking asymmetry is, and I can see whether I'm off balance or whether I'm actually walking in symmetry and I've actually got a healthy pattern of walking. And that's the thought I wanted to bring today, that we're going to continue and looking to see whether we've got a healthy walking pattern, whether we're going to walk with generosity and stewardship going hand in hand or foot by foot and walking in symmetry together. It's good for us to look into the Bible, isn't it, to find out what does the Bible say about these things. You see that we've taken a lot of this material from a guy, Robert Morris, um, from his series Beyond Blessed. He's been teaching on this for over 20 years or so. Now, obviously, I'm not Robert Morris, but I know some of the principles that he's discovered in Scripture are relevant for us today. And I'm really glad that we're going to be able to open Scripture together and find what it is that the Bible says about finances. We've said before, we don't shy, about, shy off talking about finances because it's so biblical, it's so scriptural. Jesus taught in so many parables about finances. And it's something that is so relevant to us in today's society, in today's life. You know, it's possible at times to overgive. And we'll look at that as well today. It's possible at times to be over generous. It's possible at times to overgive in time, treasure, or in talents. It's possible to have no boundaries and therefore we overgive and we over promise maybe at times as well. So one of the hardest things in life can be that word no. And that word no can be a very positive word. It can be positive because it's actually showing you've got a healthy mindset that you're putting a boundary around your time or treasure or your talents when you're giving. It also, that word no, can also help us to say no to our compulsions that we have inside of us. Maybe it's compulsive spending or emotional spending or emotional giving. Saying no can actually be very healthy. You know, we don't have an app on our phone that can help us with that no, maybe. But we do have a Bible and a scripture that can show us a plan to help us to know how we can walk with generosity and stewardship together. See, here's the question. Are you the owner or are you the steward? 
Have you ever rented a house? And if you rent a house and things break down, you get to call the landlord who fixes things for you. Recently, our daughter, well, a few years now, she moved to London, got married, and she had to recently call the landlord of the flat that they rent there in London because there was a leak in the, in the bathroom. It involved removing the toilet and retiling the tiles and sealing the bath and getting everything sorted by the landlord. I'm really glad that she is renting because it meant that she could call the landlord to get them to fix it. It's apparently they were pretty quick the way that they dealt with that situation, a lot quicker than they did with dealing with the moths that they had in their flat, which apparently took three occasions of spraying the whole flat in order to get rid of the moths. But I'm really glad that she has a landlord and the landlord has the responsibility because I know who will be getting the phone calls if she wasn't renting a flat. It would be us. Um, I like the fact that the landlord has the responsibility to fix the things. The landlord, I guess it's even in the word, isn't it? The lord of the land, he owns it all. Have you ever stayed in somebody's house and somebody's home? And you've maybe gone there for the summer and you've spent some time in their home and you, you've just borrowed it for a little while. I know we have, but you know, we've spent so much time being uh, careful about not dropping things, not breaking things, not scuffing things, not putting our feet up on the table. And then at the end of the week, making sure everywhere is clean and tidy and it's looking even better than when we walked in. We spend so much time concerned about things that we don't rest and relax through the week as much as we would if perhaps we were in our own home. So if you rent, if somebody else is home, you're always a little bit cautious about how you treat it. Have you ever lent anybody a car? We have. We haven't done it very often. But actually when we've lent it, we've actually been brought, it's been brought back to us in a better condition. It's had fuel in, it's been cleaned and it's been well looked after. How many of you know that we're more likely to rent it out again, to lend it out again, if it comes back in a condition than better than when we gave it to them? I wonder if we know that God is the owner. Then if we know that God is that owner and that truth is just really strong in our hearts, then we know that we're giving back to God all that he's already given to us and that we will give it back in a better condition than what he's given it to us. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Let's have a look at Matthew 25, verse 14. The parable of the bags of gold. It's named here in the NIV. The parable is a story. It's a story with a meaning. It's something that God wants to teach us through this story. And in the context of this chapter, it's talking about the end times. It's talking about when Jesus will return. It was talking about the parable of the ten virgins, the wise and foolish virgins, in the few verses before. And in these verses now, we're talking about the treasure, the bags of gold, the talents that have been given to us here on earth, looking here in this illustration. And what will happen when the, the, when the master comes and returns, and what conversation will be had about the giving the bags of gold. Let's have a look at this. Matthew 25, verse 14. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. A talent can be read into this, that it could be a talent as in a skill or an ability or a purpose that you have in life. 
But when you read the parable at face value, it isn't talking about that. It's talking about a bag of money. It's talking about money. And that talent that would be given in this story was talking about a lot of money. Imagine if you were that servant, that your master was going off and you weren't quite sure when they were coming back. And before they left, they handed you some finances. Imagine getting a load of money like this. Maybe it's the full wage all at once. A whole year's wage is pretty heavy. Maybe it would be for you 16,000 or 30,000 or 100,000 pounds, whatever it might be. I wonder what you would do with it. I wonder whether you'd be tempted to spend it all at once if you had a year's wages all at once. I wonder what these guys did. It says here, the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. And, but the man who had received one bag went off and dug a hole and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled account with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See how I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See here what is belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I will receive it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. Whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Jesus is saying in this parable that the master gave to the servants the finances to them according to their ability. He didn't give it equally, he gave it according to the ability of what they would do with that finance. And he expected a return on his investment. Jesus came back to see how, you, how they had handled his money. He said, well done, good and faithful servants, to those who not only protected it, but grew it. You see, the way that we handle money will invoke a well done, good and faithful servant. And I don't know about you, but I want to hear that from my saviour. Well done, good and faithful servant. And how we handle our finances will determine whether we hear that well done from him or not. It won't be about how much money you've got. It will be according to your ability of what you've done. So let's go with me with this. So let's say it was 30K that was given in one talent. So two talents 
would be 60 and five talents 150. So when they returned, there was a return on that investment. 30 went to 60, 60 went to 120, 150 went to 300. There you go, I'm a maths teacher, I can do my maths. But did you notice that Jesus took the one that didn't find an increase with that one talent, gave it to the one that had lots of increase, the one that had gained to 10 talents. It seemed, I often thought, it seems incredible. Why would you give more to the person who already has so much? How come you give more? And yet the scripture tells us that they would give to the person that has more, who's been faithful with it, who will know what to do with it, who will know how to protect it and also to grow it. You see, this comes with a great responsibility. The greater that you have, the more responsibility you're given, the more the expectation for you to handle finances right. You might think, oh, it'd be great to have loads of money. Sure, but it comes with a responsibility and a greater responsibility of how you handle it and what you do with it. Jesus would give the one that had and give him more because he knew he could trust him with it. But for the guy who hid his bag of gold, he said he knew that God was a, a hard man. The master was a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you hadn't planted. And so was afraid and hid that bag of gold. You know, if he thought that God was a hard man, I wonder whether he was afraid of God. I wonder if he was maybe not only just afraid of God, but maybe he was also angry with God. Maybe he was a little bit miffed that he didn't get as much as the others. Maybe he compared and he thought, why haven't I got that much? I'm not happy with God. I'm not going to play this game. I'm going to just bury it. I'm not going to do what he asks and what he expects. I'm just going to put it in the ground and give it him back. It's almost like he was sabotaging his relationship with God. It's almost he was prideful about what he had. And because he didn't have what he expected and didn't have as what others had, that he wasn't actually going to handle it well, but he was going to put it in the ground and try and ignore it and forget about it and just give him back what God had given to him. This message is a message on stewardship and it's the management of the property of another person. There's lessons that we can learn from here. And the first one is this, I am not the owner. I am not the owner. Psalm 24 verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live it. It's all God's anyway. Do you have a gold ring? I have my wedding ring, my engagement ring, and an eternity ring made out of gold. I have it on my finger. But you know what Haggai 2 verse 8 says? The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. Do you have a diamond? I have a diamond in my engagement ring. You know what? It's his diamond. It's his coals that formed those precious stones. It's his world that we live in. We're here as stewards, not as owner, because I am not the owner. God is the owner. 
Psalm 50 says, I have no need of a bull from your stall or of goats from your pens or for every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the insects in the fields are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you for the world is mine and all that is in it. He wouldn't have to ask. He wouldn't have to need permission. He wouldn't need you to help out because the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, everything he owns inside of it. You know, I think at times we have a bit of a teenage problem. Not all teenagers go through this, but many do have this attitude or can have this attitude when they're about transitioning from child and teenager to adult and they're moving out the home. They can have an attitude that they, they actually own everything and they're entitled to everything. It's amazing, isn't it, until they get into the real world and start paying bills and have their own responsibilities. They realise, perhaps, how, quite how easy they had it. When we have a teenage problem, we have an entitlement uh, situation where we think we're entitled to things. And the scripture reminds us that where it says where you have a generous eye or a bad eye. It compares that, way, that in, the, in the way the generous eye is when you have an eye full of light and you're looking out in the world and you're looking out in the world with appreciation and gratitude for all that God has given you. It says when you have a, a bad eye or a dark eye, it's when you're going, looking in the world and saying, that's mine, I'm entitled to that. Why haven't I done that? They should have done that. I should be given this. I want that. I want that. And there's an entitlement that can come over us. Sometimes we can have that with God, that we feel entitled to everything. It's almost like a teenage problem. But you know what? Our owner is coming back and he will expect us to realise that we're not the owners, that he's the owner and we have a responsibility to steward what he's given to us and to have a heart of gratitude for what God has given to each and every one of us. As we walk in his principles, will help us to realise that it is all his anyway. I am not the owner. The second thing we can realise is that I am the steward. It's just like Adam and Eve, they were given a garden to steward right back at the beginning of time. They were asked to live in the garden and to look after the garden. There was just one tree that they particularly could not feed from. And I guess that tree almost kind of symbolizes God saying, you have all this freedom, you have all this available to you, to you, but this one tree, I own that tree. And you're not to step over this boundary. You're not to eat of this tree, but everything else is yours. But of course, the enemy came along, the serpent, and said, he's not really the owner. If you eat of the tree, then you'll get to own everything. And that was the downfall, wanting to own everything, not allowing God to have his place and know that he is the owner and respect and honour the ownership of God of all things there in that garden. There was a consequence, of course, for them that they couldn't live in the garden anymore and they missed out big, big time. God asked them right at the beginning to rule and subdue, rule and subdue. And he's still asking us today with our finances, with what he's given us in this world, with the people in our lives to protect and to expand, to protect and to expand, protect within stewardship and expand and grow through generosity. The crazy thing is the kingdom is upside down. 
things grow as you give, when you give with a heart of generosity towards God and his people and his kingdom. You know, some think that the, the money that were given there and the talents weren't just a year's worth of wages, but actually a lifetime's of wages. That, that it was over like 100,000 denarii, like a lifetime of wage. Imagine being given your lifetime of wage in one go. Wonder how you would steward it, or wonder how you would manage it, and whether you would manage it well. So the person who were given one bag of one bag of gold, well, you shouldn't feel sorry for them. They were given a lifetime of finances, but he chose to hide, he chose to bury, he chose not to expand, he chose not to work with the Father with it. You know, God is using us as His bank. He's investing into us that we can be conduits to the places of need, that the the world world has so many different needs. And we've said, you know, the need may be over here, the finances, the resources are over here, and in the middle, we are that conduit for God. You see, it's not ours, it is his at the end of the day. I wonder, do you tithe? Some would reply, well, I give cash every now and again. Well, you know, giving cash without records is the equivalent of the attitude of the one who buried his gold coin, his gold bag of coins. It's with no accountability. You know, if we tithe, then it's recorded and it needs to be accountable. The master is keeping records. It's not about us keeping records, it's about God keeping records. He wants us to be accountable with the finances that he's given to us. And the third question we should ask We've said, God, we are not the owners. God is the owner. That I am just the steward. And the third question we need to ask is, am I a good steward? Let's have a look in Luke 12. It says, then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. This is Jesus speaking. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will demand it from you then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. He said, my barns, my crops. He acted as if he was the owner and not the steward. He didn't get told off for having bigger barns or for having grain or for having these provisions. He didn't get told off for having plenty um, But what he did get challenged for is the fact that he thought he owned it all, that he was living for self and not living for the kingdom and not living for God. Generosity comes when we start to have a heart to be a blessing. Freedom to bless when God wants us to bless. This verse says, you know, we cannot love God and money. It always challenges me when I think, when it says that you love money more than God or God more than money, I think the real test comes is when God puts it in your heart to give 
and to give maybe to a person in need, to give somebody who's close to you. And that little voice says, oh, but what if? Can I afford to? What, what will that mean for me? And it's a little nagging voice that says, if I give, can I trust that actually I'll be provided for too? And when we have a heart of generosity, when we know that God is the owner, when we know that he is a good and faithful and loyal and loving God, when we know that we can be good stewards and that we can actually grow what he gives us, we can give with a heart of generosity. We can give in faith, knowing that he will provide. He is our provision. And it's not all about what we can do, but it's what God gives to us and entrusts to us, each according to our ability. As we go on, we grow in our skills, we grow in our abilities, we grow and we learn how to steward more and more effectively. And as that goes on, more responsibility comes our way. You know, this last week, or last few weeks, I've been thinking about finances. And to be honest, I didn't know whether to share this with you or not, but to be honest, I've been thinking, how can I make our finances grow? How can we actually steward our finances well? And are we doing them? Are we doing it well enough? Are there more skills that God's given us? Should we be increasing more? And it became a bit of a, a worry in my mind. And it became a bit of a, oh, I should get maybe a, a second job or a third job, or I should find other ways to find finances. And, you know, it became a bit of a kind of obsession in my mind. And I think this is how the enemy can actually creep in. But I believe when you settle it in your heart, that God is the owner, that he's given us these things to steward well, that we can rest and we can relax in what God has given us. When we've been faithful, we've been generous, and we are stewing what God has given him. And you know, as I prayed over these weeks, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, I don't want you to worry about money. I don't want you to worry about money. And I want to say that to some of you maybe here today. God doesn't want you to worry about money. He wants you to receive what he's given to you into your hands to manage. He wants you to manage it well. And he wants you to respond when he calls in your heart to be generous and have a, a loose hold with your finances. And that may be, that be true of all of us, that we may hear those words, well done good and faithful servant. Come and enjoy God's happiness. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for today. We thank you for these words of scripture of yours. Lord, we pray that you will help us to manage your finances aright. Thank you that you have given us so many things. This world is rich, Lord, and this world is full of provision. And I pray, Father God, that we'll be rich towards you everything that you've given to us that we're to manage. Lord, may we hold it lightly and offer it to you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen, guys. Have a great rest of the morning. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray it's been a blessing to you. Why not share it with your friends and family through social media? If you're not on the regular podcast list, then why don't you subscribe? Thank you especially to those that give. If you want to give to this ministry, you can go to our website, thec3.uk slash giving and get involved. God bless you.